So Romans chapter 13. My throat is very, very dry. I've, I've been coaching, help assisting coach the f- basketball team. So a lot of yelling there. I don't know if that's it or besides that it's been dry. So forgive me if I get choked up or uh, trying to get it plain. It's a little bit hard. But um, remember last time we were in Romans 12. And there we see the first part of Romans says, Give your bodies a living sacrifice. Where's the first place? To the church, his body, to be there to serve them. And then to the world around us in our sphere, Christian, non-Christian, church, not, but also not the church. And, and he, he really focuses in on there where he says in, in verse 12, to be patient in tribulation, continuing steadfast in prayer. And then in verse 14, blessed are those who persecute, bless and do not curse. And then in verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him to drink, and so on. And then the very last verse, in most of your Bibles, you'll see a separation between verse 20 and 21, Stating that really verse 21 probably applies and should be in chapter 13. When they did the chapters divisions and then later the verse divisions. um, I think they did a really good job. But there are definitely different times where it's like, ooh, I could see that going another way. It would make sense to me if that was a part of that next chapter. So remember when the Bible was originally written, there were no chapters and verse divisions. And so... In this verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And many commentaries believe that chapter 12 and chapter 13 are very much tied together. And as we go to chapter 13, as we looked at the attitude towards the church, we looked at the attitude towards those in our sphere around us where we eat, where we get gas, where uh, our neighborhoods and so forth, where we work. But now he says he's going to focus on government. So again, let's look at verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let every soul be subject to a governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Now, this is a pretty heavy word where the Lord is saying here that everybody in authority, God has either put them there or allowed them to be there. We have a great uh, revelation of this in the story of Nebuchadnezzar. It's a rather long passage in Daniel chapter four, if you want to turn there. If not, we will put it up on the overhead, but I think it's a great passage, not far to go and go ahead and look it up. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 28. Well, let me uh, give you the stuff that goes before this. Remember, King had a, a, a dream where there was this statue. The head was gold. The arms and the chest were um, silver. And then the stomach and the thighs were of brass and then the legs and the feet were iron mixed with iron and then iron mixed with clay on the feet. And he says, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. 
There's not going to be a kingdom that exceeds your kingdom. Everybody else that's going to be governing is going to be lesser than you. Well, the way he interpreted that was, I need to go make a statue of solid gold. I'm going to reign forever. Those other countries are never going to exist, you know. Just sort of in rebellion against God, if you would. Well, there he had another dream where there was this massive tree and all the things that lived were under that tree. And all of a sudden, that tree gets cut down right to the stump. And uh, he says, well, what does this mean? It says that tree is you, your kingdom. Right now, your authority exists a very long ways away. But yet, because of your pride, God cuts down that tree and all that's left is a stump. And after seven years, you will reign as king again. But I just encourage you, humble yourself and stay humble. Don't get prideful or God's going to bring you down. And so this is where we come now to chapter 4, verse 28. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking about in the royal palace of Babylon. And the king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the royal dwelling by my mighty hand and for my honor of majesty? Now, while the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. They will drive you out from men, and your dwelling shall be as the beast of the field. And they shall make you eat grass like oxen. Seven times shall pass over you, seven years, until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and he gives to whomever he chooses." That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men, ate grass like oxen. His body was wet like the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like the bird's claws. And at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes after seven years and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth, including kings, are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in all the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? At that time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor, my splendor returned to me. My counselors and my nobles resorted to me. And I restored my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to it. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. <laughs> and David says that in the Psalms, that God can raise up who he raises up and he, that put him down whenever he decides to put them down. But here is a place where Nebuchadnezzar truly believed that he didn't have to submit to God and that God said there's going to be three other kingdoms. And he said, no, there's not. The whole statues of gold. And, uh, and in his pride, he reacted to God's word, basically saying, what you said, God, I'm going to overthrow your word. And he finally realized that all of, all of the earth were dirt, were made of dust. God's excellent glory. He's the eternal being. We're not. He's the, the, the being that has never been created. He has always existed and always will exist. Man, that's not true of us. And so here we're looking at this 
And, and the Bible's teaching us, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there's no authority except from God. And the authority exists are appointed by God. So God raises up good men to bless a people that are walking in righteousness or at least walking in the light that they have. And then if that's not the case, God will allow evil leaders to rule to basically cause the people to cry out. And uh, they're either not walking in righteousness as believers or they're not walking in the amount of light that they have. And God will allow that kingdom to suppress them until they cry out to him. Remember the promise in Second Chronicles 2.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their evil ways. Talking to believers here. Seek my face. I will hear from heaven and I will heal the land. I believe we're in that point where the Christians haven't been walking as Christians and those who have light have not been obedient to the amount of light that they've had. And in essence, we've mocked God. In essence, saying, my life is great whether I acknowledge you or not. And uh, so God has basically humbled us. He's allowed our system to be broken. And, and I, I might add, it wouldn't matter who is the president or what kind of schemes or plans they have to fix our economy. I've heard back since I was in college that our economy is a very fragile thing. It's taken a couple hundred years to evolve to where it's at. And if it ever breaks down, it's going to take 200 years to reheal itself. And... Um, and so no matter what plan is going to come up, you know, all the king's horses and all the king's men cannot put this Humpty Dumpty back together again. And so every leader is going to look like a fool with promises to say they're going to make things better and it's not going to get better. What's the only real true answer we have? Is God's people walking as God's people? Turning from their evil ways. Oh, it's not evil as the world is walking in evilness, but you are not walking in righteousness. That is evil when you know to walk in righteousness. Therefore, God is waiting, saying the only key of fixing this system is God's people beginning to walk like God's people. In the years of prosperity, people just basically said, you know, I don't pray really and I'm not really living for God, but look at my car, look at my house, look at my job, look at my savings account, look at all the vacations I go on, I'm, I'm doing great. With God or without God, I rule. <laughs> and then we've had little bumps in the system, going to war and so forth, and church fills back up until people go, eh, I don't really need God anymore. I can make it on my own. And now here we are today. People smashed by the economy. Our economy is destroyed. And we're trying to pretend that it's not. We're living in this delusion but as big as we have been smashed in the Great Recession, people still won't pray. Most churches have just given up on the prayer meeting because they just, nobody will come. But there's still not, I guess we haven't been smashed enough. We're hobbling, but we're still not going to bow our knee to God. And, you know, God will get us there however long it takes. But the point is, is that our system is being spanked. We are being spanked. I know God loves us. He loves America. We are truly a righteous nation and have walked that way in the past. 
but we slowly have lost walking in righteousness. And uh, we know it, but we're still unwilling to truly humble ourselves, pray, seek his face, that he might hear us and heal our land. There's still that brokenness that hasn't happened. And so here he's saying um, that those who resist the ordinance of God are, are resisting will bring judgment on themselves. Now, I think a good picture of that would be King David. Remember when Saul sort of went crazy and he, he had in his mind that David is betraying him, which is totally untrue. But he picked up his spear and threw it at David while they were at the dinner table. And David barely was missed. And he didn't throw a spear back. He jumped out the window. And he, he fled for his life. He eventually gathered some mighty men around him, 400 and eventually 600. And they were living in the cave. And we see the first instance when Saul came out to find David there in the hills of En Gedi. And there's just hundreds, thousands of caves. So they're hiding in one of them. What are the odds of anybody coming into their cave? But, Paul, but Saul said, hey, I need to go number two. Everybody else stay, stay outside. Let me go in this cave by myself. And there is David and his mighty men right behind Saul in the shadows. And the men say to David, this has to be God. His children hate him. All the generals would choose you as the general. All the army men, you're their hero. All of the people, remember Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. They would definitely want you over Saul, and Saul keeps having some pretty evil moments. Remember Saul had thought that the one city of the priests had helped David, and he killed the entire city of the elite priesthood. And then he had been known of killing other cities, wiping everybody out because they thought that they had betrayed him, going to David. And uh, a lot of other evil things Saul did. So in essence, they're saying, this is your opportunity. And David sort of got swayed and he cut the edge of his garment, a little piece of cloth. And instantly, David felt that he had greatly sinned. When Saul and his men had moved a distance away, they climbed out and went up to the top of the cliff And he said, please forgive me. I cut the edge of your garment and I I shouldn't have done that. I touched the Lord's anointed. I'm in sin. Please forgive me. So irrelevant of the fact that he's trying to kill you. And all you did is cut some cloth. But he just knew that that was, in essence, ripping the garment of God. Because he raised Saul up. And then later on, he was... uh, Say, hey, let's go down to the armies of Israel. They're down in the valley. And uh, they're heading down there. And one of the, the mighty men with him said, David, look, God's put everybody into this supernatural sleep. Nobody will wake up. Please, let me take Saul's spear. And let me just run him right through the heart. He won't even wake up with no Philippine, even for a second. And David said, listen to me. God raises up and God brings him down. God could have taken him down any time he wants, but he hasn't yet. So Saul will die of old age. He'll die in battle or he'll die because God will kill him. But he shall never be touched by any of us. Because you cannot touch the Lord's anointed and be found guiltless. In essence, God will take you out for messing with his authority. So again... The truth, the spiritual truth is a very 
heavy truth. Now, let me explain something here. Who is Paul writing to? The people in the Roman Empire talking about wicked leaders, the Caesars, believed they had to be worshipped. And if you were unwilling to come and burn incense and bow down and declare Caesar as your Lord, you're put to death. You're tortured in some cases, thrown into the lion's den, all kinds of crazy things. And of course, no Christian would. So the Christians were at the top of their list. And so in essence, they're saying, yeah, the guys that's killing you, submit to him. Don't, don't resist his authority. So if anybody had good reason to be offended at this chapter 13 of Romans, it would have been those people. And he is saying here that the rule that God has given us is to understand all authorities, whether it's a king or a president or a governor or a mayor, a police officer, your kids obeying you, whatever authority, no matter how small it is, in an essence has been given to you as a responsibility from God. And you need to submit to that. And in verse 3, the rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. Now, let me stop there and make a note that many times when we're getting these kind of Proverbs, like the book of Proverbs or the Psalms or here in these sort of one-liners, we've got to remind ourselves that is the general truth. And most of the time, that is to be applied. But we do know, as we read through the Bible, there's times that there were exceptions to that. So, in other words, will every ruler only punish evil and bless those doing good? We know that's not the case. We think of Pharaoh when he said, hey, midwives, gather around. There's too many men in the Hebrew nation. They're getting so strong. I'm afraid they're going to take us out. So every time you see a baby in, coming out of the womb, immediately snap its neck, kill it, whatever you got to do. Don't let it live. Well, the midwives weren't going to do that. And so when Pharaoh called them back in, they said, hey, I still see a lot of little boys running around. What's going on? And they said, well, you know, the women, the Hebrew women have to work as hard as the Hebrew men. And, and it's really tough labor that you're giving them. And they're just as strong as the men. And so when they're about ready to give birth, the time I get there, the baby's already born. Now, that might have happened once or twice, but it was basically telling him an excuse. And they lied to Pharaoh because what he had asked them to do was evil. And the good they would, would have been punished for their good. If they'd said to the king, that is evil, (laughs) kill babies, whatever nationality, we're not going to do it. If they stood on that good, he would just bring people in that would do it. And so they said, hey, let's lie to Pharaoh. And stay on the job at least a little longer. And it says God blessed these midwives for what they did. We might look at the Nazi regime. The government was saying, hate the Jews, kill the Jews. So are you going to submit to that authority and start killing people because of their nationality? And you're going to say, no. At this point, I'm going to have to rebel against that, that nation that authority because they're evil and they're asking us, demanding that we do evil things. So then you got people like Corey Timboom and her family hiding Jews when the Nazis come. They say, no, no Jews here. They built a false wall and, 
and work the whole system. So were they being disobedient to the government when they did that? Absolutely. But were they still submitted to God? Absolutely. In our own government, I mean, there were well over 100 years that the black people were oppressed. And in essence, if you did what the government wanted you to do, you would have one area of town for the blacks, another area of town for the white, keep them separate in schools, you know, shopping, eating, drinking out of the same water faucet. It was, it was an evil thing that went on for a very long time. So in essence, if you said, I disagree with the government, and you started marching with Martin Luther King, would you be found blessed by the government for doing good? <laughs> no. What happened? I mean, how many hundreds of thousands of people were beaten to death, had their houses burned, uh, were imprisoned? It went on and on. So by these people standing up saying, hey, we're free people, everybody should be seen equally, that is right, that's good. The government punished the people and the other people that joined with them, no matter what nationality they were, were also punished equally as they were punished. And so in that instance, the government was wrong and by, in essence, we had to stand against the government just like the midwives did to Pharaoh in order, take whatever punishment comes from that, in order to stand up for what's right and true as what the Bible teaches. Now, what would happen tomorrow if the government decided no longer can Christians assemble together because they're all Tea Party candidates? And I guarantee you that's not true. In this room, uh, I would say there's a lot of people that are on the opposite side of the political angle than you are. But let's say they say that. Well, the Bible says, don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. So we have a clear scripture where God demands that we get together and, and as much as we can. And here's the government saying it's illegal for you to get together at all. Well, are we going to disobey the government? What are they doing in Russia and China for hundreds of years? Exactly that. What if they said, hey, we just think this Bible is, is against our government. That as you guys read that Bible, we find you less loyal to our government no more Bibles. The church can have one Bible, but nobody can have a Bible. The church you can't attend, by the way. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to go and hand in your Bibles as they want you to do? Are you going to say, no. God tells me to take the, the verses in any way I can and meditate on them day and night. No, I'm, I'm going I'm to disobey the government. But why? Remember when the apostles were told by the authorities... Do not preach this Jesus anymore. And it says they went out and preached Christ. Well, next time they were arrested. And they were beaten. And Peter stands up and says, I'll leave it to you. Do I obey man over God? And they were stunned going, no, you've got to obey God above what, what men speak. And uh, they released him. <laughs> After they gave him a beating, they, they let him go. So in essence, the government is asking us to obey them over God. And so when two truths collide, obey your government, obey God. When these two truths collide, you do the greater good. In this case, the greater good is to obey God no matter what man says, even if it's the government. 
And so again, most of the case, generally it's true that those in authority will bless people who are doing good and not evil. Uh, But they want you, if you don't want to be afraid of authority, do what is good and you'll have the praise from the same. Generally, that's true. But what would happen today if you tried to take food into Somalia? (laughs) The Somalians believe certain groups should die and they're starving them to death. And you showed up and started feeding them. What's going to happen to you? You're going to die. What if you start trying to bring Bibles into Saudi Arabia today? (laughs) What's going to happen? Is what you're doing good in God's eyes? Absolutely. You're spreading the word. But what what would that government do? It would see what you're doing is evil, even though it's good. So generally, they make a distinction. But often when we do the right thing, it's seen as evil. And in verse 4... For he is God's minister to you for good. Generally, that's true. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister to avenge, to execute wrath on him who practices evil. So generally, that is true. And I'd say that's mostly true in our country. But there are many countries, you know, you go to Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan, any of the stands, and uh, you'll find out that what you believe to be good, they will punish you for. And in many, many governments, you got an evil ruler saying, hey, I want you to kill this group of people. You know, say you're Hitler. I want you to kill these Jews, exterminate them. And if you do what he wants, even though you're doing evil, he'll bless you for doing evil. And so there is a, a distinction. The general rule is everybody's an authority that God has put there. He can bring them down. You know, again, uh, what is the right thing? You know, there's many people uh, standing against abortion clinics and writing letters and, and standing outside making a wall, if you would, uh, so people wouldn't go and have their abortions. And eventually they created the bubble rule, where basically you had to be a long ways away from the, on the, way away from the abortion clinic, and many people were arrested for that. But there's other people that said, we've got to stop this, and they start blowing up abortion clinics. Would that ever be right in the sight of God? No. The Bible says the weapons of warfare are not carnal, earthly, but they're spiritual and pulling down the strongholds. So, you know, we, we don't take in our own hands to, in a fleshly, earthly way, to try to take vengeance. It's, it's the Lord's and he'll deal with it. But we need to do what we can to stand against evil. And therefore, in verse 5, therefore you must be subject not only because of wrath, he's been talking about negative things will happen, but he said also for conscience sake. So here he's saying develop a conscience that you understand that God has put everybody in authority that's in authority. And just like the story of Daniel, he can bring down the greatest emperor that's ever been. He can bring him down in a day if he so chooses. And make him like an animal until he chooses. And then stop that and put him back in power. God has complete control. Even the devil can't do anything to us as believers unless he has permission from God. So if you would, even the devil's on God's leash. And he can only go as far as God allows it, as we see in the book of Job. And so there's no authority that God is not above and over and allowing for his own purposes and reasons. So have a conscience. And realize that God's raised up and you have a horrible boss, you know, then don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. And um, there in verse 7, 
No, verse 6. For because of this you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs are due. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. So he says, pay your taxes. The most hated verse in the Bible right here. I hate this verse. (laughs) I hate paying taxes. But I, I will say here today, if you're in deceit and dishonesty, trying to get away from paying your taxes, you are stealing from God. That's a heavy thing. Because that means thousands of dollars a year for some people. But on the other hand, use the legal loopholes that the government gives you. So the government says you owe $900,000 in taxes. Go get a tax guy and figure out how to get around that until that's lowered. There's nothing wrong with that because that the government gives us those leeways If you're willing to be diligent enough and smart enough, then you can pay less taxes usually. But then he also adds it in to customs, whom customs are due. It's not just taxes, is there? I mean, there's car registrations. There's uh, all kinds of things that the government sort of says you need to pay for this uh, and pay for that. And, you know, you got to pay for them all. And uh, again, I think the Lord wants us to do it obediently without regret. And then he says, fear to whom fear is due. You know, again, the police officer behind you, the lights go on. You're like, man, I can't handle this day. I've had a long day. And you take off and try to get away. Number one, you're an idiot if you do that. There's too much technology. You're never going to get away with it, okay? But number two, to fear to whom fear is due. And usually when you see the lights shine up, there's fear. And it's supposed to feel that way. (laughs) You know, submit to the person. However, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a couple of guys who have lived in San Diego area um, since the late 50s and the 60s and 70s. And they were in the Navy. They lived up in uh, Del Mar and Oceanside. And uh, they began to tell me stories of how they would get pulled over twice, three times a week just to be hassled by the cops. And the cops would just do everything they could to anger them. They would pat them down and they would say vulgar, horrible things to them, trying to get them to curse at them, a swing at them, because they were racist and they didn't like black people in Del Mar and Oceanside and whatever. Again, vengeance is mine, our pay, says the Lord. And God's going to deal with wicked men like that. But nevertheless, we need to submit, and that's what they did. And it was very hard, it was totally wrong. And we have to stand aside and let God do what he wants to do with that. And so give fear to whom fear is due. And love, and then it goes on to say here, um, to honor to whom honor is due. And I just simply want to say, there's always probably half of the people like the president, half of the people don't like the president. Every time a president's elected, (laughs) it seems to be pretty split that way. You know, whether it's your candidate that you like or don't like, we need to honor that position. Whether it's the presidency or the governorship, okay? It's not about the person. That person's going to go. But we should respect that person. doesn't mean that you change your feelings on the issue. It doesn't mean you cannot respectfully discuss the issues. But especially before your children and others, you need to show honor. The presidency deserves honor. 
And I know the last few years, last decade, I guess, even now the, the various TV channels will not view the president on their channel unless they like him. That's never happened before that in the history. And in actual alley, they're saying, we're going to honor this guy and not honor this guy. And it's wrong. You need to honor the presidency. And whoever the president is and he's speaking, you need to honor him because he is the president. And as a family, you should pray for all those in authority. You know, pray for them to have a different heart if you don't like their position. Pray for them to, to be blessed and, and become wiser, or see things more the way you see them, whatever you want to pray. But you still got to honor the person because that is what God requires us to do. In verse 8, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. So in a perfect world, which there isn't one, everybody would owe no man anything. And you even think about it in this last um, great recession, those who owed no man anything were not traumatized as much. Because even if they lost their job, they own their house, they own their car, you know, they're going to make it. But it's people who, who continually learned, all of us have learned over the last hundred years, I want it, I want it now, put it on the visa, it'll get paid, paid off by next month, really not, but I want to believe that to be true right now because I really want this thing. And, and we, we stack up a greater debt than we can afford. Now, can we all go without having debt? Probably not. But that should be your aim. That should be your goal. Some of you, you could. You could say, you know what, I heard the word of God. I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to sell my cars. I'll rent it somewhere for a while. I'll get lesser of a car, pay off all the credit cards. And even if I lose everything I have and end up at zero, I'm going to owe no man anything at zero. <laughs> and I'll start accumulating my wealth at zero at this point forward. Some people may want to make that choice. I, I don't think here that um, God's trying to put condemnation on people who owe people money because The fact is that some people just can never see themselves clear of that. But either way, that's the goal. That's where we want to be eventually, to owe no one anything, but just to be free, free to love people, to be able to go visit that guy in the hospital or not to have to work the second job or third job or late hours, that you're free to have reasonable hours to be with your family and to help those that you want to help. And uh, and then he goes on to say, in verse 9, he, say, he quotes the Ten Commandments. For the commandments, referring to the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. If there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this one name. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfillment of the law. So what keeps the, all the Ten Commandments? Love. If you really love somebody, you're, you're not going to steal from them or lie to them or commit adultery or bear false witness or covet. If you love them, you, you don't want to see them injured in any way. And then final, these next few verses, 11 to 14, I think are verses that are well worthy to be memorized and, and quoted daily to yourself. Do this knowing the time that now is the high time. Awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. 
Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in rivalry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust or in strife or envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fill its lust. So here he's saying, you know what? I'm telling you truths that are true in your heart. You've heard them before, you know, about how you need to be committed to the church, using your gifts in the church, how you need to not quit hating and being bitter at people, but pray for them and love them. To not have vengeance, that's God's. To, to not be overcome by evil, to be overcome with evil with good. And you might just be stopped in your tracks going, I know that. How did I get from here to here? I'm full of bitterness and anger and thinking about how to get even with people. That is so opposite of what God wants me to do. Wake up. Wake up. Satan has lulled you to sleep somewhere along the line. And you became earthly minded rather than heavenly minded. Your thoughts are the thoughts of earth and not of heaven. So wake up out of your sleep. And I'm sure that's the case with many of us today. We've just been doing the minimum, trying to slide by at the minimum. And, and God is saying the minimum is going to eventually destroy you. That's, that's setting yourself up to walk away from God. Wake up. And it's interesting that Paul feels that the Lord's coming any day. Our salvation is nearer than it's first ever believed. Every generation, as you go through the Bible, God has enough signs of the times in that generation to make them think, hey, the Lord can come back today. And as we read through Matthew and, the, and the, where Jesus is teaching in times, he wants us to have that tension. He wants every generation to walk. It helps us to walk awake, not in sleep. It causes us to walk soberly because today the Lord could come. And we need that tension as well. And we're going to have a prophecy update here on uh, New Year's Eve. And I'll tell you what, I've never seen in one year... <laughs> So many signs of the times in one year. It's, it's just incredible um, how many signs are being fulfilled that have never been fulfilled before. And then he says, the night is far spent. You've been asleep too long. You need to wake up now and get out of bed. The day's at hand. Wake up, you sluggish sleeper. Wake up. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let's quit living in dishonesty and trying to cheat the government and trying to, to live in bitterness and anger when you're to be uh, loving people, no matter what they do, praying for them, doing good to them. Let's wake up, put away, uh, walk properly and put away all the things that, that man without God lives in. Rivalry and drunkenness and lewdness and lust and strife and envy. That's, you've been walking as a non-Christian. You need to put off these things. And start walking in the day. How do you do that? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Start walking like Jesus walks. Ask yourself, is what I'm saying and what I'm doing right now, is this the way Jesus would be? Make no provisions for the flesh. This verse I quote a lot to my kids. Do not make provisions for the flesh to, not maybe, but to fulfill its lust. You know, I, I tell my kids all the time. Prepare yourself. Set yourself up for success not failure. And in essence, that's saying the same thing. You know, I have people that come in and they're like, man, I don't know how I fell with my girlfriend or my boyfriend. And well, what did you guys do? Well, we went out and ate dinner and got a movie. And then we went up and 
parked at a scenic place until midnight. And we've been doing that every week for the last eight months. And I couldn't believe that we fell. It's like, I can't believe you didn't fall sooner. (laughs) You know, I, I don't understand how you thought that would never catch up with you. That never would turn into something more than just talking at a romantic spot. You know, it, it was it was 100%. If I were a betting man, I would have bet everything I had that you would fall. You made provision for the flesh. Every once in a while, some guy will walk in and he's been beaten up pretty bad. It's like, yeah, I got, this guy beat me up. I don't know why he did it. Well, where were you? I was in a bar. Well, what time was it? Two in the morning. So let me think. What percentage of people at two in the morning at a bar are drunk? Do they even know what's going on? They saw you and you look like the guy back in ninth grade who took his girlfriend and he's looking at you. Oh, I think it's you. I've been wanting to beat this guy for years. so I'm glad he's here. And you get beat up. And you're surprised. I can't believe this has happened to me. Don't make a provision for the flesh. You're setting yourself up for failure. It's, it's ridiculous that you think that you would end up successful doing such things. And so as Christians, again, if you're not in the word, you're not in prayer, you're not gathering together the brethren, you're trying to do the bare minimum. You know, I make it to church when I can, once a month or once a, once a quarter. You know, I, I read my Bible the other day. That's the first time in two years. But, you know, you know what? You're, you're not strengthening the inner man. Your flesh is going to be stronger. And the fact is, is you're you're making provisions for the flesh by not building up the spirit. And so again, wake up. Wake up what you're doing. If there's some guy or some girl hitting on you and telling you you're beautiful or handsome or she wishes she had a husband like you or whatever, get away from that person. Hide in a closet until she walks by. Just stay away from that person. Don't make provisions for the flesh. Because eventually, they're going to push the right button, and, and you're, it's chemistry, right? It's like a piece, a piece of dynamite and, and a match. It's like, man, the thing exploded. I don't know why. It's chemistry. Well, I was sitting in the car at 2 in the morning with my boyfriend. I don't know why it happened. It's chemistry. It's chemistry. Guys like girls. Girls like guys. And... They want to kiss and hold hands and more. And, and the fact is, it's going to grow until it grows into something that's ungodly. Don't make that provision. It's going to happen. It's not if. It's chemistry. It's just plain out chemistry. doesn't mean you're weak or evil. It simply means you're a human being. But you made that provision and you fell into its lust. And so those great verses again. Wake up out of your sleep. Salvation is nearer than it's ever been. The night's far spent. You need to get out of this sluggishness. You've got to get out of this sleepiness. Wake up. It's daytime. You shouldn't be sleeping during the daytime. Cast off the works of darkness. Put on the armor of light. Walk properly as in the day. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provisions for the flesh. And let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word here. Our hearts bear witness with that it's true. But you've also called us to love, love you with our minds. <laughs> and so we know that these truths are genuinely true. But there are times, especially in these last days, with so many countries being evil, making evil laws, 
that go against your law, that we come and say we're going to obey God rather than man. And if that means I have to be opposed to my family, I have to be opposed to what people at work believe, I have to be opposed to what the government believes, and so be it. Lord, just wake us up now spiritually. Get us at the peak of our strength and not at the weakness as a Christian. Let us walk as you would walk, Jesus. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in the night. Give us grace to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Help us right now as you're sitting here right now. It's, it's today. You know, you know it's supposed to happen, then do it. Don't wait till next week. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ right now. Wake yourself up spiritually right now. Just let God's Spirit speak to you where you've been making provisions for the flesh and kill it. Put it to death right now. Purpose in your heart to leave this place obeying God's Word in all its entirety. And Lord, we surrender our lives to you again. We rededicate our lives to you again. If you're not a believer here today, the Lord loves you and his arms are open to say, come unto me and I will give you rest. Come unto me through my cross, through my death and resurrection. I can forgive all your sins and give you life. Just right now in your heart, just receive the Lord. Yes, Lord, I receive you. I'm coming unto you. I'm gonna follow you and seek you and live for you. And we thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week in Jesus.